Hi, this is Tim Guy, the unbiased interview robot. You're listening to the Chad and Cheese podcast. I love these guys. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, rash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese podcast. We're back. Back again. I know you missed us, everybody, because we don't produce podcasts every day or anything. Um, special guest today, we have Ken Lazarus, CEO of Scout, all around just smart guy that has that has increased the IQ points of this podcast by about 300. PhD from MIT, bachelor's from Duke, uh, tons of boards and all that good stuff. Ken, welcome to the, uh, the most knuckleheaded podcast in HR. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. You bet. So what did we miss in the in the intro? Uh, and feel free to give us a little bit about Scout for those who do not know. Uh, well, it sounded pretty good to me, so I liked it. Thank you. Um, I have been running companies for about 25 years or founding them um, and as a founding board member or CEO. A bunch of different types of companies, but all tech, uh, typically trying to shake up an industry. Uh done similar things in kind of hardware and semiconductors, uh, recently in uh, advertising, uh, bringing you know, um, all that printed media ad into uh, the internet through um, demand side platforms and you know all those kind of algorithms that have, you know if you look at a chair and it follows around the internet, the retargeting, all that fun stuff. So yeah. you're, you're welcome for that. And, uh, and now most recently in, in the HR space where uh, we've got Scout, which is really um, a, a new way to use data for recruiting. And what we do is we connect employers who've got jobs to fill with recruiters who have a track record of being really successful filling them. We make those matches and then those recruiters get you great candidates to make really good hires. Um, one way to think about it, and I know it's a little bit of a tired analogy with Uber is, uh, you know, Uber, you push your button, it uh, connects you with the driver who's best able to take you from point A to point B. Essentially, we connect you with the recruiter who's got that best track record of filling that position so they can help you get a great hire. And literally like 91% of all hires made by third parties are made by specialists. So that's folks who specialize in one role. They, uh, they get to know the job spec really well, the company, they know the candidate pool, they can make the match. So we match you up with the matchmaker, essentially. So Ken, one of the things I, in what you're talking about right now, Joel and I talk about all the time, we think the on-demand kind of marketplaces are definitely the way that um, pretty much recruiting is evolving toward. Um, but the hardest thing about HR and recruiting is adoption is incredibly slow to adopt. Now you're coming in from an entirely different industry. Tell us a little bit about what you've been able to see within obviously Scout in itself and engaging the recruitment community with regard to adoption of new technology, new processes. Yeah, I'd say it's uh, it's a similar and different. So it's similar in that um, most folks in most industries don't like to adopt new things. Um, you think about the in the ad space, right, where um, the old joke was 50% of the ads work, but we don't know which ones and you can't move or anything. And the salespeople, they, you know, sort of had 
they knew the client. They said, well, we, you know, I know what you need. I know how to get your stuff done. But there was no data to actually assess if any of it was right. They pushed back hard in terms of adopting this new thing. Uh, but, you know, the, the data speaks for itself and, and, and also actually, actually knowing what works and not and only paying for what works is really kind of a really good thing, right? So, so even though there's pushback and it's slow and, and you have to, you know, get them to believe and understand and all that, then you have the same thing going on in kind of the HR space here where people are used to having one recruiter they like, they know, they trust, and they basically pressure them to do more. But that one person, you know, isn't necessarily an expert in the jobs that they want and so forth. So, you know, they really need to use the data and get connected with the ones who know the candidate pool are really good. Mm -hmm. And yeah, similar pushback, similar adoption. Now, the, the biggest difference is HR folks on the most part, I'm going to generalize, but they're more people, people, not data people. Right. And so, you know, getting them to like kind of be comfortable and deal with the data. And that part is, it has been harder. They you know typically want someone to help them with that. Um, but there has been a lot more now like analytics people placed into HR side by side with the people people. And that's really helped. So I actually see it starting to accelerate quite a bit now. It's, it's interesting. What ingredients do you need to actually create a marketplace? And how is your marketplace different from some of the ones that you, you mentioned, like the, the Ubers of the world or maybe even the Fivers or what have you? Is Bounty Jobs a competitor? Yeah. Well, I would say um, a couple of different questions there. So, yes, Bounty Jobs is a competitor. Um, but it's a good kind of uh, compare and contrast in talking about what makes a marketplace work and, and what, what really doesn't. So, so one, you know, you need to actually have everyone working together kind of under the same rules. And what we've done is we've created kind of a uniform contract and getting a bunch of Fortune 200 companies to all agree on the same terms were, is quite a challenge. Um, but once you do that, now we have you know 600 so companies and 5,000 or so recruiters under the same terms and conditions. And therefore, we can instantaneously connect any one of them to get working on any job that they're expert at being able to do. Whereas others like a bounty jobs and others, you know, they don't have that uniform contract. If you think about your Uber, you know, you don't want to be negotiating with e with each of the drivers as you go, right? It's all under one contract. Yeah. The other thing you need is you need to be able to to match, right? So you need good matching. People have really sort of looked at matching resumes to jobs, and that's really hard. We can get into why for a number of reasons. It isn't because the algorithms, the machine learning can't do it. It's really a data problem. We can get into that later. It's a human problem, right? I mean, because we really write bad job descriptions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Job descriptions have very little useful information, as does a LinkedIn profile for that matter, right? So, so you're, yes, you're connecting yes. kind of garbage and garbage, and that becomes quite hard to match. Did you just call LinkedIn garbage? No, he called your profile a garbage. Oh, okay. My bad. Mine too. My LinkedIn profile is much <laughs> garbage than anyone else's. <laughs> So, uh, but, but what you can match to is a track record. And so if you have a recruiter track record, you can really match to that. And that's one of the, the, the fundamental things that differentiates us as well is we have all that track record data. It's all done in a way that's sort of systematic and, and, and we can uniformly apply it across companies, across industries, across job types. It doesn't matter what the job title is because we can figure out what, what it means and, and all that. And we have access to all these jobs and so forth because we're integrated into ATSs, which is another thing our competitors aren't. So 
for the enterprise, you can basically check a box and post the jobs to Scout. There's no redundancy. If you want to track your candidates, in your, and I know you guys know ATSs and know you hate them like everybody else, as we do, but <laughs> we track it in an ATS. We'll pull that information. We'll send it out to, to the search firm so it cuts down on the noise. Everyone can know the status of the candidates in, in real time and all that. So, so, so we're trying to create this marketplace that's really got – it's really information-rich – available to everyone, transparent, and just really easy to make those matches. If you think about trying to find like a headhunter, third-party recruiter for 40 different jobs, you want a couple for each of them, like, yeah, good luck with that. You got to interview like 200 headhunters. Like, just just hang me now, right? Like, I don't want to do that. Shoot me now. Ken, I, I have a question, Chad. Um, I want to get back a little bit on the on the company. Last year, I wrote a blog post uh, that highlighted, I believe, the ten like biggest news stories, and one of them was was you guys raising a hundred million dollars, which honestly doesn't happen a lot in our industry. Um, Jobcase did it again uh, fairly recently, so there must be something in the water there in Boston. Uh, that people are just writing checks. But I'm curious, what have you done with that money in, in the past year? And um, when are you guys filing for IPO? <laughs> um, well, so first, uh, you know, one thing that really surprised me when I started looking at this industry is the amount of investment that's going into it. And it only makes sense considering it's literally like a half a trillion dollar market. Uh, that's the amount of money people spend worldwide on recruiting. And that doesn't even include kind of SOW, which is like consultants and stuff, which probably be $5 trillion if you added, added that in. Yeah. So it's a huge amount of money. Companies are getting, like even in the ATS space, you know, Taleo was bought for something. So they're getting 10x revenue on those recurring revenue streams. And there's a lot, a lot of VC PE investment going into that. So, so that's number one. It's, and it's, it's ripe for disruption, right? So it's a great investment area. I was surprised about that to learn that, but it was very cool. Um, and also, we have an investor, John Chuang, who's an industry veteran. He's been pioneering lots of different stuff. He, uh, you know, he's a founder, not just an investor. He's totally committed, believer in in this, and he's got deep pockets. So, so that's good. The downside is, you know, it's just him and I, and so if we don't agree. You know, he writes a check, so you know, wins that argument. But <laughs> sounds like a wife. <laughs> I spent a lot of time like raising money with VCs, and that's a whole kind of thing in itself. And yeah. I love all my VCs and I've had great ones, but you know, there's a certain inefficiency of having to go raise money and spend a little and wait and hit some milestones, go raise some more money, um, get, you know, five partners from five different firms to agree on anything, all that stuff. So this is really efficient. And I mean, what we've been doing with that is building a fantastic cro- product, building a great uh, service organization, because that's a big part of this. Mm-hmm. All matching technology and so forth, and just investing and building the marketplace. How does the matching technology work? Uh, You have algorithms around recruiters, but is it also algorithms around the actual candidates in the system matching up against the job descriptions? Because I mean, we were just talking about how job descriptions and profiles are pretty much junk. How How do you match the garbage to the garbage? By the way, I love how you just ignored my IPO question. That was great. <laughs> I'll answer that. I have no idea. No, that's all right. We're here to build a big, valuable company. Uh, there's a lot of different liquidity options. There's no specific. We don't have any specific timetable right now. Fair enough. So back to Chad's question. I'm sorry. Yeah, back to the matching. So, so what we do is we match the job 
to the recruiter track record against that job type. So basically we have this machine machine learning system that takes any job and it doesn't really matter what the title is. It basically looks at all the words on a job description and classifies it into one of about a thousand different job types. And then we group them into subtypes and categories and, and things like that. So basically you can figure out it's an employment lawyer, it's a front end developer, it's a back end developer, it's a marketing manager. Mm-hmm. Those sorts of things, there's enough information in a job description to categorize it, at least at that level. And then we look, we do that for every single job and we look at every single recruiter, what they work on, what jobs, what candidates they submit, do the candidates get accepted into the interview process, how far do they get, do they get hired, all that stuff. So we just look at that track record against the job type Uh and you have a rating, a track record against that job type, that industry, that geography, all those different things. And then it makes it really easy to match it because we have these track records and all I have to do is figure out what kind of job it is and match it up to the one who's got the best track record. You think about it, someone's been placing job developers in Boston for the last six months Uh and been pretty good at it. They're probably going to be pretty good at the next two months as well and get you some good candidates. And, and I totally understand that because you ha- you're matching against a track record. That's something that is it should be solid, right? But on the other side, we're talking about trying to match profiles against job descriptions. You don't believe that we're up to that just yet because it's all garbage data. Is that what I'm hearing? It, it's a lot less useful. So it's not completely useless, but so I'd say 95% of our matching comes from the track record and maybe 5% from from that profile. Now you can augment those. So you can do um, testing, you can pull information. So for example, in a resume, someone may have, it may at least list a company. Well, you can pull the information on that company and find out, hey, this person stayed five years at a company that was a hundred person company or got promoted three times. So they're probably kind of good. So you can figure out stuff, but it's a lot more complicated and difficult. So the track record has been really, really good. And uh, over time, we'll build up and, and just in general, you know, the matching of the candidates to the jobs will get better over time, but it's going to be a long time before it uh, is even a higher weight even than the the recruiter matching. That's Recruiter matching is going to be the main thing, at least for the next five years. You have an incredibly strong uh, skill set in terms of artificial intelligence and obviously being a PhD from MIT. Uh, that should come as no surprise. But AI is obviously the buzzword in in the vendor space in our industry. So everything from chatbots to automated, you know, sourcing to scheduling to to all of it. Just kind of curious about your overall thoughts on AI. How much of it is real? How much of it is just you know plugging in Watson? And what should HR people and recruiters as a whole? Uh, sort of appreciate about what's going on with AI and recruiting? Yeah, well, great question. It's um, actually something I'm, I love, I'm passionate about. It's um, it's actually been, a, it seems hot now. I think two years ago, and I've got my head of marketing sitting around here, like I, I say, we got to talk about AI. She's like, no one HR wants to hear about AI. And, and now it has become like, obviously uh, a pretty big thing. And for good reason, right? Because the algorithms have got, you know, over the last five years, the algorithms have gotten really good. The ability to process lots of data, even for a relatively small company like us, we're using AWS and other things like that has, has gotten, you know, relatively easy. So we can use the same tools that everyone else does, uh, you know, to do that, to, to build these algorithms. And the applications of them, 
have started to work. So, for instance, you know, our recruiter matching that really works um, using, let's say, a chat bot to ask screener questions. No problem with that if it's pretty good. So, you know, if you try to use a chat bot to figure out who you're going to hire, it's going to be a disaster. If you're going to use a chat bot to do the screener questions, great. If you're going to use machine learning to match your resume to a job, you're going to end up with the problems, you know, Amazon had, which is arguably the best at machine learning, but they, you know, had this completely biased algorithm that didn't work. Yeah. Right? But if you're going to match your recruited track record, it's going to work pretty well. So the, the, the great thing that I've seen is not only the algorithms getting much, much better over the last decade, but now, especially even in HR, like, the applic- like real applications that really work. You've got to pick them carefully. I sort of think about it in terms of human decision-making complexity. And you want to, you don't want to start with the hardest problems. You want to start with the easiest time-consuming problems. And that's mm-hmm. just classic automation. You do it that way regardless. So an AI, you know, now is there's applications that really work. And that's what's exciting. I think it was. It's commercial time. Dude, we're always talking about cool new tech, but it's hard for hiring companies to change. I mean, adoption's a bitch. Yeah. New tech can get them to qualified candidates so much faster. I know, man, but recruiters already have their routine in place and nobody wants to jump into another platform, especially when it's expensive and also requires hours, maybe days of training. Exactly. But that's where Uncommon's new service comes into play. Uncommon pairs expert recruiters with in-house kick-ass technology. All right. Interesting. Interesting. It sounds like Uncommon understands the problem of change. That's why they hand-select veteran recruiters, train them on this kick-ass technology that has access to over 100 million active profiles. Yeah, yeah, but I bet they're expensive and I bet it requires some kind of annual commitment or contract, right? No, man. Uncommon is not an agency. They don't require a contract, any contingencies. All they do, they charge one flat fee per project, saving, I don't know, anywhere from 50 to 80% on each hire versus the average agency cut. Oh, snap. Companies could save big stacks of paper especially if they're rapidly scaling and need hires today. Yep. And all you have to do is reach out to Tag and the Uncommon crew at Uncommon.co. That's Uncommon.co. Change doesn't have to be a pain if you're using Uncommon. It's showtime. What they call it, like the nuclear winter of, of AI was, you know, for about 30 years, starting a decade ago, where all these people were working on it, none of it really worked for anything. So it's pretty cool to see it start popping up and actually working. Yeah. You mentioned chatbots and and a lot of the money that's flowing into this industry is going to chatbots. Like, should we believe the hype or do these services have a long way to go to really make a difference? Oh, I think a little of both. They got a long way to go to really make a difference. But like I said, you're starting to see some initial places where it actually kind of works okay. Uh, you know, initial screening. So, you know, the beginning, if you think about a recruiting process as a sales process with a, you know, big funnel of the world of candidates at one end and mm-hmm. the output couple or one that you want to hire at the other end, you know, at that big screening step at the beginning or getting people to pay attention to you or marketing to them, you know, you don't need humans to do all that stuff. You really can do that algorithmically and then have a little bit of interaction with the people who respond. I mean, it's better right now. What does marketing have for that interaction? They see if you read something or clicked on something. Yeah. Okay. We'll take it to the next step. Ask them a simple question get an answer one way or another, and now you've qualified them a little bit further 
before you turn it over to a human, that stuff actually is starting to work pretty well. We're actually on stage with uh, Holland Dombeck from uh, Delta Airlines a couple of weeks ago, and she was talking about how her recruiting team has they've been able to log that they're they're actually getting back 80 hours a week to their, their recruiting team. Um, and, and I believe I agree 100 percent. Chatbots have a long way to go. But because our processes are so jacked up right now as it is, these little technologies, if implemented correctly, there can be huge impact right now. Agreed. Totally. So kind of spinning away on talking about AI and you just you just mentioned um, Amazon and that uh, that algorithm and how it kind of went haywire uh, knowing that there's a lot going on with uh, compliance with GDPR across the pond and then obviously here pretty soon in California they're going to have a GDPR like type of regulation that is coming out do you believe that black box ai is going to be able to exist or do you think all of that is going to have to be open and transparent so we can actually find out why the ai is making the decisions that it's making especially when it comes to candidates and pushing them through the process yeah the compliance stuff is pretty interesting uh we're already are gdpr compliant here at scout so we kind of know how to deal with a lot of that stuff and again for because we're looking at a track record where we can look at the track record against even let's say gender right we know the answer should be 50 50 that one's pretty easy and we can see, you know, basically the bias in the system, we can correct for it. So we can show that stuff. Uh, so we have a big advantage of being able to dealing with that stuff right now. Mm-hmm. But you asked a really one of my favorite questions about the black, the black box problem, right? And how do we deal with that? Because no, people are not going to put up with a black box for picking candidates in a world where there's known biases and things like that. So what do you do? And it's an interesting problem because if you break out the components of why you're selecting people and then use that, right, you actually have now sort of handicapped your algorithms by doing that. Mm-hmm. But if you don't do that, then then what are you going to do? I, I do think there's a solution in the middle, which is where you actually, you can, you can not only output the selection, but you can output the why out of the black box. And then if you show that that why actually correlates and stacks up to the output over time, you can show that you're compliant. That's that's what we're doing at Scout. Gotcha. Gotcha. So when we talk about Scout itself, how many recruiters are in pretty much the database that are ready for work? And then also what segment of the population are you currently focusing on to be able to to obviously provide these services? Yeah. So we have about 5,000 recruiters on the network. We probably have about, you know, 1,000 kind of, you know, weekly active or so users, kind of how we how we measure it, which is someone like working on a job right now. So that's that's kind of the population we're dealing with right now. We are focused in North America. Uh, we're not international yet. That's probably going to be next year's uh, task for us. Huh. But we do do all industries and all job types and so forth. And we started in North America. We started with, I guess, what you would consider your traditional headhunter, contingent perm roles, you know, your engineer, your director of this or that, um, even like nurse, doctor, whatever, that kind of stuff that you hire a headhunter uh-huh. to go help you find. Um, and, and that was interesting. And that's sort of how we got started. But what we found is now this network has gotten more and more powerful and efficient 
um, because we're able to like direct the jobs to the folks who are experts in them, instead of them using their 10 candidate pool that they found to fill one position, they can now fill three with it. So they're getting a lot more efficient and, and that drives, that efficiency drives the cost down and so forth too, right? So everyone is more efficient. And what we found is we can go after not just traditional headhunter jobs, but all kinds of jobs. So uh-huh. we fill manufacturing operator jobs uh, at you know, a couple thousand dollar a piece. We fill call centers at one to two thousand dollar a piece. And and interestingly, all the way up to directors of medicine, heads of global markets, chief investment officers, hundred thousand dollar fees. So the fees range from a thousand to hundred thousand dollars. And we really now can have a great strategic conversation with our customers about where do they need to augment their team? Where do they need help hiring? And those are the jobs we can help them fill. And it could be the traditional ones. It could be executives. It could be more of the volume jobs, either one. And and now we started adding temp as well. And we'll be able to optimize even between, you know, not only which firm, which recruiter works on these different jobs, but even do you want to do a temp or a temp to perm or perm, what geography you want to, and we can really advise our clients based on all the data we have. So it's a whole another set of services and information we can provide to our clients just around the huge amount of data that we're collecting. I think right now we're, we're basically a candidate is submitted like every 30 seconds or something like that. I can't remember the exact number, but but it's getting pretty large. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it's interesting because as we talk about AI and machine learning and all these big kind of scary things, recruiters kind of feel like they're going to lose their job. And, and, and we've had conversations about uh, how, you know, how we feel about that. How, what are your thoughts not let's say in the next five years, what does a recruiter's job look like? Does it look pretty similar to what it is today, or is it much different than what it is today? Now nah, we won't need recruiters at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, it, it's going to look quite different, though. Um, and, and what's going to happen is is that you know I mentioned before, kind of this like human decision making complexity model, yeah. which is when you look at disruption of jobs and job functions. So the, the the type of work that's done that's more of the mundane, lower level stuff, reaching out to candidates, scheduling, um, you know, initial screenings and filters, you know, the recruiters are not going to have to waste their time doing that anymore. Gotcha. What they're going to be able to do is spend their time on really assessing the few that make it through all these automated screens and so forth, or maybe finding, you know, the, the the diamonds in the rough and really figuring out, are they a fit for the company, for the job, and, and really doing that actual hard work of doing that. The other thing they're going to do is sell the candidate. Like, you know, no one changes jobs and leaves a good job, or, you know, the people you want all are sought after, highly sought after. Mm-hmm. No one's going to change because a chatbot you know, ask them to come take this cool new job. <laughs> it really takes a human to sell somebody on something like that. And not only that, the candidates we want, they're passive. Like they have jobs. We don't want, you know, people who are filling out job applications online. Yeah. We all want to hire people who are great employees that are currently gamefully employed and probably don't have a whole lot of time to pay attention to and certainly not pay attention to chatbots reading out, reaching out to them. So you need these recruiters and then the relationships uh, to network to the right people and to have relationships with them to con and convince them to even, you know, look at a, 
a job, look at a new company. Right. Now, that's the hard work that a recruiter is going to do. They're not going to waste their time scheduling and screening and you know the other stuff that, frankly, they probably don't want to do anyway. Right, right. So knowing that AI is getting smarter and smarter, do you believe that AI is going to be making a lot of these decisions up front and then it's just going to be the product on the back that we're really having to work through? So they're, they're doing the candidate matching, they're doing the screening, they're doing all of these things that have pretty much been programmed into them of what we want and what we need. Is it just going to be a press the button to, to, to push the job out and then you wait till after the first interview before you actually see what pops out on the end? I think a lot of it will be done in, in that way, but but also you need ways to introduce randomness because you don't want to get too stuck. Like you're never going to learn and do new things if you keep doing kind of the same thing. Yeah. And we, we even give that ability. So we'll, we'll give the ability of newcomers to try out and search for jobs, find them and work on them. We'll give them the ability to try new companies, new jobs, whatever. Um, they'll start getting shut down if their performance stinks and kicked off if they're not good. And so <laughs> if it's not working for them, then they'll, they'll move on to or they'll stick with what they know or yeah. whatever. But you do need ways to make sure that your system isn't stifling innovation, that your system isn't um, you know blocking out certain segments, especially because of bias. So there's a lot of so it's not that simple as just saying, oh, yeah, we'll wait till we have this sort of short list of great candidates and screen uh-huh. them. There's a lot more work to do, but it's more the intellectual work to make sure your system's working right than the, the mundane stuff of figuring out, oh, you know, how am I going to get these five people scheduled on the same day for these three people I want to bring in? Right. That that's you don't have to you don't have to spend a lot of time doing that anymore. Hopefully, last question. Um, I don't know if you're familiar or not, but Indeed bought a platform called Sift, and Sift is really a marketplace. From my standpoint, as we take a look at Indeed, is owned by Recruit Holdings out of out of Japan. They are a huge recruiting slash staffing company. I personally see Indeed trying to move staffing into more of a marketplace type of scenario. Do you believe that big companies like Indeed are going to start to pivot into your market? And if so, is it going to be more on the staffing side or do you really see it as more uh, direct to employer? You know, I, I don't know if they're going to try to shift into our marketplace, but but there's a, a huge need for kind of what they do, right? So our all of the recruiters on our network need to find candidates, all, what we call our providers, right? The 5,000 search teams out there. Uh-huh. We're, we're not providing the candidates for them. They're, they're finding them through their network, through other ways. Indeed, frankly, is one way. Uh-huh. There's also, you know, companies want to hire some folks directly. They don't always want to use a, a third-party recruiter and so forth. And so, again, you know, the internal recruiters, they have limited um, networks for all the different job types they have to try to get and so forth. So they're always going to use things like Indeed to post their jobs and source and so forth. So there's no – it's not like there's no – there's still a need for all of that and a big need for all of that. And, I, and you know, I, it's, it's just – consolidation is good for this industry in that sense and that for the candidates easier like i don't want to look at 20 different mm-hmm. job boards or whatever like well one if there's one place that's serving the need or a couple that's actually not so bad so the fact that you know this indeed has been buying up all these different properties and sites to do that um, and, and that they're trying to match the candidates to the jobs they, they should be trying to do that even though we all talked about it's really hard whether they're going to get into, yeah. you know, tracking recruiter track records and all that stuff. And one of the problems they have is that once a candidate's submitted, they kind of lose 
visibility of it. So they really, they have no way to know who's good. Where we have the visibility into those submissions and what happens to those candidates throughout every job, every company and so forth. And we can normalize it, as I said, by job type and industry and so forth. So we can build those track records because we have access to all that data. And we use that to create the ratings for the recruiters. And, and those ratings, you know, incorporate all the things these recruiters are good at, like, you know, finding candidates, finding jobs, can experience, all that stuff. It's like an Uber rating, right? Well, yeah, it's like, well, it's like the stock price, right? You know how they say like, uh, all, gotcha. the, all the information about a stock is included in the stock price, basically. Yeah. So our recruiter rating is basically that. So if you want to know who's good with can experience, well, it's the higher rated ones because they've gotten people placed. And like so, having access to that end-to-end data set uh, is something that as a marketplace operator and us sitting in the middle and being integrated into ATSs, we have a pretty unique view in terms of being able to track all that stuff. Gotcha. So I lied. Last question. Uh, we just talked about having one place to go, like, and we were we were referencing Indeed. Uh, what about Google's foray into this market from the Google for Jobs standpoint? Not to mention applicant tracking system. They are currently uh, powering like four thousand different uh, recruitment platforms. What do you think about Google's foray into recruitment? No, I think it's great. So, I mean, we actually work with them quite a bit on some of the stuff, including the job categorizations and things like that. Uh, I mean, they basically got into it because people were searching for jobs. And what is Google good at? Search. So in the sense, and and we're actually, you know, using some of their capabilities in terms of job search. You You know, we can, everyone uses Google search, right? So I think it's great that they're in that. We've collaborated on the categorization and all that stuff. I think that in terms of, um, you know, their, their ATS, right? It's, if you look at the Google suite, what do you have? You have calendar and you have mail, right? I mean, that's awesome, right? So again, I was talking about like chatbots doing scheduling and all that stuff right. and putting that in the ATS platform. That's awesome. It's, you know, all the ATS platforms are our partners. We're, we're, you know, partnered and connected with, you know, IBM Connects and and Oracle, Taleo and Workday and, 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 you know, Google and so forth, right? So we don't view that as competitive at all. We actually view them as a great partner. Excellent. Well, Ken, I'm, first and foremost, I'm going to have to apologize because this is after lunch and Joel usually takes his nap after lunch. And I think he actually is taking his nap right now, but I appreciate you coming on talking to us and uh and anything you want to leave us with no just thanks so much for the opportunity it's great great chat with you guys even if joel did fall asleep but <laughs> it was very fun and uh yeah anytime you guys love to love to chat about scout and and recruiting and ai it's like nothing i'd rather do so thanks excellent so if somebody wants to find out more about scout where would they go www.goscoutgo.com Excellent. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. We out. Hi, I'm Emma. Thanks for listening to my dad, the Chad, and his buddy Cheese. This has been the Chad and Cheese podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single show. Be sure to check out our sponsors because their money goes to my college fund. For more, visit ChadCheese.com. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, 
subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.